Justin, if I can I brag for just a moment? Not really brag. I guess like share an accomplishment of mine. I I, I think everyone has the right to brag as long as it doesn't belittle other people. So does this brag belittle someone? <sighs> yeah. Oh, okay. Then no, no, I'm kidding. You, I'm no. kidding. Okay. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I did something this past weekend. You were asking me about it a little bit, and we we're gonna talk. We were gonna talk about it just as friends. But why would we ever do let's, that? Let's, we let's make, make our content. friendship. Yeah, making our friendship um, content. Gosh, I fucking hate. I hate not having. Uh, I hate not recording a conversation with you. It's almost like it's wasted. It's wasted. Yeah, like for me. the content's there. Um, not not that I don't enjoy. It. Here's an aside, unrelated or related to this. Uh, not that I don't enjoy doing this show with you because I do, which is why we do it. Um, but damn, I like talking to you when we don't record it. Yeah, when we're, yeah. <laughs> like when I like I saw you at trivia the other uh, last week or two weeks ago, whatever. Uh, you and I and some friends got some dinner a few, a few months ago at this point. Like I, I just genuinely like talking to you when I don't have to record and think about how long it's going or whatever else. But and um, like when we're in person too, there's a big difference. Yes, yes. Between I that. like to see you as a human being in the space and whatever. Um, but okay, so so this this past weekend, I uh, I'm a musician as you know, and as, as listeners of our podcast may know, and I played for three full hours oh. um, on Saturday. I played seven to ten, and I'm gonna the the brag is I'm proud of myself. That was really hard. I had never done anything like that before. That was very hard. So End I guess brag. my my initial my initial like question here yes. is. You're told you have a three-hour set. Yes. I'm assuming vocals and guitar, right? Yeah, so this was just me and my acoustic guitar. Yeah, so it was a solo performance, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. How do you prepare for that? Like, what do you, like, do you time out the music you have to play? Do you wait for requests? Like, what do you have to do to get yourself ready for three hours of anything? So th- that's actually an interesting question. And because, like, I'd never done anything like that before, like, I did it one way, and then now, if I ever have to do something like that in the future, I'm going to do it a very, very, very different way. Um, so, like, the first thing is, um, I know, so, like, I write my own music, right, but then I also play a lot of just, you know, covers and whatever, and uh, I knew that I don't have three full hours of my own original music. Like, I, I, I might, but, like, not three hours that I would want to perform, or not three hours that, like, I feel comfortable with, like, this is me now, but I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I maybe don't want to play a bunch of songs from I wrote in high school. You know what I mean? Like more, more, more recent stuff I think is what's more appropriate. Um, so I knew that I had about 45 minutes ish, give or take of original music for that, that I would feel like I would want to perform. So that knocks out, you know, now we just got two hours and 15 minutes left and that's easy. A slight right? amount of time. Yes. Easy, easy. Um, and so I basically, so I'm also preparing to play an hour and a half, uh, in September with, with my full band. And so what I did was I was like, well, I put a set list together for that. Um, which was just 40 minutes of original music and then 40 minutes of <laughs> covers, you know, like I just doubled the amount that I had. I was like, easy, right? That's an hour and a half. So I just put that on there and I doubled the amount of songs again. Right. So I had, um, it was like it was like 38 or something like that for th- for three hours. Uh, and I was just like assumed that that was going to be fine uh, in terms of like an amount of music and whatever. Uh, and what I should have done was what I did. So the, the show was on Saturday and then on Friday at about lunchtime for me, I was like, maybe I should actually time all this out. 
Um, so I put all the songs into a Spotify playlist because at the bottom yeah. of the Spotify playlist, it'll tell you how long the playlist is. And it was two hours. So I was like, well, that's not good. That's <laughs> one oh, hour no. less than it should be. Oh, no. Um, so I put in like six or seven more songs. I was like, I guess I can do these. And so when I was taking my lunch break, I was talking to my roommate about it because like, you know, I don't usually go off and play songs and sing during my lunch break. I usually am having quiet lunchtime or taking a walk or something like that. Uh, and so he was like, yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, yeah, because I, I freaked out because I was like, oh, I need to play all these at least once. Because um, the thing is, I never, like, three hours is a long amount of time, right? So, like, to rehearse for three hours, it means that you have to, like, play three hours, you know? And, like, who's, like, th- do you have three hours of downtime, you know? And I would assume, I'm no musician here, but, like, you have to play more than three hours because you're probably, like, perfecting some like of it. Practicing and, like, it practicing it and, like, running it. it. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, because, right, I'm not just, like, playing every song once and being like, that's great, and we're moving on, right? Like, I'm playing it once and being like, yeah, that didn't really work. Like, I got to change this up, whatever. Um, so I did what, so I had a friend, when I was in Australia for school, um, I had a friend who I uh, went to watch them run a half marathon. And I was asking her, which is 18 kilometers, by the way. Um, and I remember that because that's how they measure it. It's math. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I remember asking her, I was like, how did you prepare for this? And she basically said she ran 10Ks every day. And then in the week leading up to it, she, would, she ran 115K. And I was like, but so you never ran all 18? And she goes, no. Because she was like, the, ment- the mentality is you will push through no matter what when it finally comes. But why tire yourself out like that every single day? You know what I mean? Trying to run the full amount of time. And also, like, it takes a long time. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I kind of I've applied a similar mentality of like, well, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm going to do it in little chunks. And then, like, I'll just be able to push through and put it all together. Um, so I did. And it, it was went really well. Actually, I was really nervous about it. Um, just because like, I've never done anything like that before. And also like, I tend to feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm sharing the stage with people as opposed to just me, you know? Um, cause, cause like, like when it's just you, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's just like, if you suck, you suck and that's it, you know? Um, but there's also a certain freedom to that though, where like, if you are bom- like the goal is always to just not don't bomb, you know what I mean? But if it's just me and my guitar, like if I feel like I'm bombing in terms of like how I'm playing, like that is 100% up to me to fix, you know, and, and to to play better. But, um, but yeah, it went really well. And then um, I've ne- like I said, never done anything like that before. Uh, three hours is a long time to, to just sing pretty much nonstop. I took one 10 minute break and then I forgot to take a second break <laughs> um, because I so like because I make all that I, music to play. So I have I have a, a like I have an iPad and I have like my music on my iPad right and so like in the app that I use it's called Fourscore where basically you can just like hold different like PDFs in it essentially it's used for musicians um, and you can like annotate it and everything uh, but you can also put in like in between like the the sheets of music you can put in a sheet that just says like an, that you can just annotate and so I would just put one in that said break after an hour. And then because of the debacle where I did not have enough music, I forgot to put a second break in. So I just went through the whole thing, Kept like going. the whole two hours, yeah, of the second half of it. But um, yeah, the, uh, an accomplishment. Like, like I know, like, I, I don't like to, like, dwell on my, like, accomplishments like that very much. But, like, that was really hard. And 
it went really well and I was very happy with how that went. Yeah, that I mean that's amazing. I think one of the the like kind of comparisons I can make to that that's more in my realm even though I haven't done this is like stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like you have your 5 and then you try to move your 5 to like a 10, a 15, half hour, hour kind of set, how you yeah. like build that whole thing and like I guess I never really thought and this is just me being stupid like from the musician side of things, like that whole like art of adjusting to make the audience like to have the audience like you because i think you were talking about how like you eventually won the audience over correct did i say that to you so in a text message sorry you okay texted yeah, me yeah. That. yeah yeah so because I, I my roommate was there and and i asked him about like hey how did that go because also like similar to when we do the podcast i blacked the fuck out like, <laughs> yeah, yeah like like and for three full hours that is a long time not yeah. be conscious um and like as i was talking to him i was like coming back do you know what i mean like after like that happens like for me it's just like i'm like whoa gosh so uh, i'm coming back and i'm like that went well did that go well it felt like it went well right and he's like and he said to me like this was not your crowd because I played at like a bar in in Downers Grove, um, and which is not my typical. Like I usually play at like a venue where people are there to listen to music, listen you know to music, I mean? and, yeah. and I was like just sort of on the side, you know. Um, and he went. He was like, so like to be honest, this is not your crowd. It's pretty. It's older than what you typically you know play for. You usually play for people like about your age. It was it was just an older audience. But he's like, but you played enough songs that everyone knew, and also you just have enough of a presence that you, you won them over to make it into your crowd. I was like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. But, but like, I mean, everything, there's so much, I always think about like teaching is so much about a performance in a way, like you're, you're up in front of a class and you're trying to win them over one way or another, whether it's the content, you're just your personality or whatever like that. Um, But like that, that is such being able to get up in front of a group and adapt what you're doing to cater to that group or try to win that group over, I think is such a, a, a useful skill that can translate to almost anything. I mean, that goes back to your theater experience. It goes back to so much stuff that you're able to do that with. Well, that's like, to me, that's what makes me the most nervous because like, have you ever like bombed before? Like, mm. like, have you ever done anything like that where it's just like, you know, the people who are there are not having a good time, yeah. like regardless of whether you're good or not. Like, like I have, I have, bombed like bombed bombed before in front of like big groups of people of like people I respect you know what I mean even like and and there's just like nothing that feels like worse than that and like my biggest fear was like I'm gonna bomb in front of all these people but it's three hours so they're gonna hate me for three full hours because when you usually I usually play for like 30 to 45 minutes yeah if you bomb for 30 minutes it sucks like it feels like nine hours but like it's over and then like if you really bomb that hard, you can go home. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Because, yeah. like, you can just leave. Um, but, like, that just wasn't an option. So I was really happy that that didn't happen. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that, like, winning people over is um, a really big skill. And, like, it's something that I'm not y- usually very good at. Um, just because, like, I never want to, like, I never want to challenge people's time. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Like, I never yeah, want to yeah. have to be, like, you, I, you clearly don't like this. Like, but I'm going to make you like it because I just like don't live my life like that. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, you don't like this? That's fine. Whatever. Um, but uh, it went like I said, it went really well. Um, and I think like I think I had a good spread of like my own stuff and then songs that I really like that I don't think are like super huge and mainstream. And then I some Taylor Swift and like Smashing Pumpkins and whatever. You know what I mean? Like a good spread of like yeah. random stuff that like really no matter who you are, you'll know one of them. You know what I mean? And be able to appreciate it and whatever. But. Well, 
brag, feel whatever you want about that. I think that's such a cool accomplishment. And you'll never have a first time of doing a three-hour show again. So that exactly. was a moment. That's a moment that you have right there, which is really and also, awesome. I've been like busy getting prepared for this 90 minute set that I've got in September. Yeah. But like, so we, so we, I did that, that two, three hours on a Saturday and then I had a full band rehearsal on that Sunday yesterday for the hour and a half set. And I was like, this is easy. Like, <laughs> like this is going to be nothing. This is going to be like literally nothing. Uh, but you know, what's not nothing. Justin Hitbox. It's hitbox. up the intro there coming into it justin but um we're gonna make it work you know why because we're we're doing it live we're doing it live the audience is here we are adapting to the audience there is no editing there's no that's why okay also here's a secret that's why like we've talked before about like should we like stream on twitch like should we like stream the podcast as opposed to just like doing it like this my answer is like no (laughs) like no (laughs) i mean maybe eventually if there's like people who want that but like like if there's like enough people who'd ever want that, but no, I really do a good, I really feel comfortable knowing that if I say something that doesn't come out right or like we say can. something that like we like later go back and like, mm, I don't know if that was like a take I want to be on the internet forever. Like we can edit that and I, I also and no like, one will witness it. I also like that when in editing, like if I have to step out for a second or you have to step out for a second, yeah. cut, your your screen is empty and I'm just like on my phone, just texting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. like, yeah. yeah, I don't think that would make the best streaming content or anything no, like that. But. No, but hey, welcome to Hitbox episode number 156. My name is Peter Hunspitek and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host Justin Makovich, a teacher who deserves to be paid more, who's back from his first week of school. Was it a good week? Are the kids well, standing on their desks like in for Goodwill Hunting? Well, no, today um, was go on uh, Dead Poet Society. Yes, I messed that Good, up. You're right. Goodwill Hunting was you know around also in school. school. Yeah, yeah okay. so you're good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, today was the first day we had with students. So oh, oh okay. I'm, I'm fresh off of that. And um, you know, speaking of filling three hours, um, I have to kind of like warm myself back up into filling. We only had them for like. 18 minutes today oh yeah like um, the short periods for the yeah, first day. Had, yeah it's like the it's basically like you get to meet every class for a little bit um and they split the day off into upperclassmen in the morning and then um the ninth graders the new students come in at the second half of the day um but so as a teacher trying to time out the lesson at the bell to bell that's what all the administrators the administrators don't they don't have much to critique when you're teaching because mm-hmm. you usually have an administrator who's like watching an English classroom who never taught English before. And they're like, oh, that looks good. So yeah. the things they look at are like very like simple, like are the students engaged? Are you going bell to bell? Do they respect you? That kind of stuff. So teaching to the bell is important. Like if you just look at the clock and there's like 10 minutes left and it's like you're done, it's like, you know, that's not really a good day. Yeah. Um, so I have always like gotten in the habit of preparing more than the time I have. So Mm -hmm. the first day is no exception, but I have like kind of like benchmarks where I can like break off, except today I was teaching at a new school for the first time and um, the usual first day is 18 minutes a class period, like pretty normal, pretty standard. So at the beginning of class, I showed my students, I was like, this schedule is correct, right? 
And they're like, yeah. And I was like, great, 18 minutes. So I start teaching and then the 15 minute mark happens. I'm not through attendance yet. I had about two minutes left of attendance and the bell rang and I was like, oops. Just, huh? <laughs> um, so that was a good way to start my getting back into the time. But after that, I took care of it. But yeah, so I'm teaching this year. I teach at both campuses of my district. I teach both at the north and south side of our, my campus. Oh, nice. So I'm like a commuting teacher, um, which kind of is inconvenient, but also nice because I got like an hour and a half off between first and fourth period. So if I want to like have a night, get my hair cut, <laughs> I can get my hair cut. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'll, I'll get back into it. I also have to learn how to um, small talk again, uh, which is not one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Dude, I I completely understand, which is why we're really bad at podcast intros. <laughs> um, but let's, if we can, can we get it? Do you have more to say about the first day of being a teacher again? Or no, no, can no, we, no. Or can we talk about video games? Is that cool? Let's talk about video games. Fantastic. Here is a preview of the news that is coming up. Starfield sparks an apparent home screen debate. The Xbox 360 store is shutting down and the Mario franchise gets a big shakeup. We're going to talk about all of those headlines and more. But before we do, I want to give you a reminder to join our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. Support us on Patreon. If you're feeling monetarily generous, become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Noel, like Dave Parker. Um, each week, our deluxe podcast producers are getting an additional 30-minute bonus episode, except... In the month of August, which is this month, they're getting an additional, they're getting two 30-minute bonus episodes as a way of saying thank you for um, sticking with us while we were uh, away for two weeks. If you can't support us there, that's all good. You can support us by following us on Twitter.com at HitboxPod um, or by rating this podcast in your podcast player of choice. Justin, I've been using an Android phone for about a, about half a year, um, and I usually just listen to, like I listen to all my music and podcasts, whatever, on Spotify. I discovered a new podcast um, and like maybe a third of their episodes are on Spotify. And then the rest, I was like, where do I find these? And they even talked about on the show about how like, yeah, we, they're just like, we don't know how to use, how to update to Spotify. Um, oh. So I downloaded just like the Google podcast app. I oh, had no idea they, such they an app one existed. Of those? Yes, it does. Yes, they do. Uh-huh. Are we on it? Hold on. I assume we'll we'll check live Um, while while, while while he's checking that. I exclusively use the Apple podcast app because I'm not a Spotify boy. I'm a YouTube music boy because I'm a very confusing person. Um, um, I recently bought a house and I have to decide if I want to be an Apple home or uh, an Android home. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And it's going to be a rough decision for me because I have about equal amounts of each in my house. So. Oh, I guess Amazon. Do it. No, Amazon. What Alexa is? No, not you. Um, whatever that is. But I do want to have a smart home. It's one of the things I'm building towards in my life, so I can just be like, lights on, when I come home. That would be. Um. So okay, Hitbox uh, is on. Don't, it is on this podcast app here. This Google Podcast app. Our um, podcast. I'll- Yes, our podcast. Okay, okay. I'm just checking. The way you said that, I thought you were be like, Hitbox is on there. Can I but... tell you something? When we started Hitbox, mm-hmm. we were the only Hitbox podcast. We were. There were three on um, on this on this podcast app as of now. Are they current? Like, are they updating weekly still? Yeah, but they like all started in like 2021. 
Like all of them have like we've got like we've got eighty episodes or like forty six episodes. Motherfucker, we have one hundred and fifty six. Get and out of not, our space. That's not counting our bonus content. That's not counting our let's plays. That's it's not true. counting all that extra stuff. We got more than that. We, we are have so much more. Get out of here! Consistent. All these other hitbox podcasts. Yeah, I'll hate. I don't like I'll this. Hate their boxes. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Justin, I I can't explain to you what you just said. Um, let's talk about the Metacritic Roundup. Let's do it. Metacritic Roundup. There was someone who's um, <laughs> younger than me that just like dropped their phone, like <laughs> gasp, like oh gosh. Um, three games, four games in the Metacritic Roundup. Here's just a just a quick checkup on Baldur's Gate three. Uh, apparently, yeah, it actually sucks because on Metacritic it actually dropped down to ninety six. Piece of Come shit game. On. No one should play this thing. That is um, a terrible score. Yeah, so now it's tied with The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom uh, at a 96. It's got um, 78 critic reviews. Justin, is this game... We have to play this game, huh? I know. I, like, I want to play it so bad. I, I know. Like, all I see is Baldur's Gate 3 content, and I'm just like, this is so up my alley. I want to play this. I have, I'm going to have a choice to make. Yeah. Um, I believe the embargo for Starfield is up August 31st. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, so... Um, if Starfield is not like amazing yeah. and that doesn't, that does, I'm not saying a score. I'm not putting a score on this, but if it's not amazing, I will start playing Baldur's Gate three. Sure. Um, because, um, <laughs> I will really want to play this game damn. and it came out damn. of nowhere. Yes. Agreed. Like, that's the thing. Like it came out and I was like, Oh, this is going to be some good reviews. And then like, Everyone's talking about this game. It's everywhere. It looks so good. I I need to play this. And if anything, it, it, I'll either play Baldur's Gate 3 or start a D&D campaign. Yeah, it's so hard to get a group together, though. You know what I mean? Of, like, people who are yeah. free. I, I mean, know. like... I mean, you and I talk at the exact same time every single week for the past 156 weeks. Minus two, because you were gone. But, like... Mm. Or, I guess, plus two, because you were gone. Um... Mm. But like, the reason why why I'm doing this with you is because you're like a consistent person who has time, yeah. Like who can or like can make time. You know what I mean? But like, like I feel, I would love to do it IRL with people. But you know what I'm trying to say. And to make like minimum, you gotta got you have four, right? Like that's minimum. yeah, like a DM and then three sort yeah. of players. You know, to have four consistent schedules lining up is impossible. It's hard. Impossible. Yeah, I don't know how people do it. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Um, but yeah, Baldur's Gate 3, I will play this. I, it's my job to play video games sometimes, so I should probably play this game. This um, is like the weirdest time I've ever been around video games because it sucks, not because you're playing bad games, but because there's too many games that you'll want to play out. Where, were the, where was Baldur's Gate in 2022? Yeah, we needed that last year. Any, you, any like, point. Anything. Any any, point. At any Just point, it that would have been there. Great. I would have yes. played it. Yes. Uh, moving on though, Blasphemous Two came out. This is um, a it's like a Souls like um, sort of side scrolling Metroidvania, um, very melee combat focused, kind of grotesque. Um, I would I would sort of put this uh, in a category specifically with something like a Hollow Knight, um, but it's got some some just delightful 
and chonky uh, pixel art in here that I mean, like it's 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 a little gross at times, but like you, you got to appreciate just how good the pixel art looks. Um, but Blasphemous one, I didn't play, but uh, sorry, Blasphemous two on the PS5 scored an 86 on the uh, the switch and 85 xbox series x it is unscored on ps4 it is unscored and on pc it scored an 83 so you can pick this up really wherever um and it scored pretty well i know like we've been talking about like the economy of our time right now and and like how we just don't have time to play the games that we really want to play this one doesn't really do much for me as someone who's not like a huge fan of like metroidvanias but like i am happy for people who do like this sort of stuff because i mean we've been just waiting without any news on when we can expect hollow knight still yeah i mean it just it just it continues to be a year of there seems to be a really good game in almost every genre of video games this year so like if you like a specific type of video game i'm sure there's a good one out there for you um i'm trying to see what did blasphemous one um score on metacritic um let me just try to scroll down a little bit um but again an 85 is a respectable score um and it, the fact that it's on switch is <laughs> a win win uh, on uh, the switch it got a 77 on ps4 it got a 78 and on xbox one it got an 82 so this seems to be a decent step up yeah yeah um, I do wonder, like, sometimes the the two in it might be off-putting for people. Um, I generally, yeah. like, if I'm correct, don't, like, if there's a two on a game, doesn't it generally sell better than if there's a one on a game? Yep. Which is, it's like, this is an established franchise. Like, and yeah. people, you know. Yeah, but I already feel like I've missed out on it. Yeah, but I, in a game like this, I feel like it, you don't need to, like, I, like if there's something that, like, is going to be, like, a story thing, like, I'm always like, yeah, I want to play that first one, you know? But, like, yeah, I bet this one's fine. Um, but a game like this too, I always find like uh, difficult to go back to the first one because I imagine that like the mechanics are updated in a way that make it feel better. You know what I mean? Or like exploration feels different and it's more interesting or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, uh, that's obviously not a knock against it. Um, but so there you go. Uh, blasphemous two. I will not be picking it up just because, um, you hate, you hate good things. I hate good games. You're just so mean about good things. Yeah, you know how much I I really just truly hate it. Um, Justin, Madden NFL 24 is out. There are not a whole lot of critic reviews of this thing at the moment. Um, it, to the point where, like, there just aren't, like, scores <laughs> um, uh, on Metacritic right now. Um, that said, there are enough scores, though, um to to give a little bit of background here um lots of sixes lots of fives and uh as always with an annual sports series the user score is just horrific it's like got 1.5 1.8 uh 3.3 1.7 1.9 like people are just not liking this um but it, it, it's kind of like this is what happens every year especially with like the madden games where like they just feel like such small incremental updates that, you know, if you compare Madden NFL 20, uh, you know, 24 to the 2020 version of it, like I bet, yeah, it's going to be pretty different, but like compared to last year or something like that, um, you know, well, it's going to be that different. And I imagine it's pretty buggy. In addition to that, one of the pre-order bonuses was to play it early. No. Um, and when people pay the extra money to pre-order it and get everything in it, uh, I guess like there's a specific edition that you needed to buy to do that. And your part of your paying is to play the game early. Yeah. If you get the game and it's buggy and you're playing the buggy game that you paid to play early, 
That just seems gross to me a little bit. Yeah, because it's just it's just the company's just preying on the goodwill of the name and saying, yeah. like, well, these guys know that we'll, we know that they're going to pay for it, you know? Yeah, and I wonder if this will be a tipping point here at this point. It'll be interesting to see the reviews coming out um, to kind of see if anything changes. I mean, right now, 3.3 on the PlayStation 5 uh, for the user score. Um, let's see, what else do we got here? 1.5 for Xbox One. Um <laughs> PC. I mean, who plays Madden on the PC? You know what I mean? Like, what <laughs> it is, is kind of weird. Yeah. Like, what are you? What are you just playing the menus? Like, come on now. Um, but I wonder, like, like is that going to matter? I mean, this is still like a, a juggernaut in terms of sales. Like, is it going to stop people from updating their rosters? I don't think um, so. I'm going to say no. Uh, no. Just looking back, Madden NFL 23 scored like a 68 on PC, um, uh, 70 on Xbox, 69 on PS5. Like. People don't like like it, it not reviewed well. All the user scores are 1.3 and 2.0 and like it, it's just not a well-received franchise in terms of like reviews and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, this is one of those like every year this game sells more than anything else, you know? Yeah, um, I heard I heard a really interesting interview with Tyreek Hill. He is, I would say, one of probably the fastest and most skilled wide receivers in the NFL. Okay. He plays for the Dolphins. So he was he was interviewing and uh, they're like, like, how do you prepare for games? And he said what he'll do a night before a game is he'll go on Madden and he'll look at all the players' ratings. He'll look at what their awareness is, their speed is, their get-off. Um, and he'll use those numbers to help him understand how to play the different cornerbacks that he's facing. And I find that to be really interesting because so much of this game is that, like, the stat crunching part of it about them trying to make their teams like make the teams like as accurate to the real life teams as possible. And it's become a science of that. Um, It's always interesting to see when they come out with their 99 ratings, like which players get the 99s and what, you know, how everyone gets ranked. And I love seeing players be like 87. What are you talking about? I'm not at 87. How dare you say that? Um, I find that to be, to me, that's why I like Madden. I haven't played the game since Madden 2005, so don't ask me how it plays, but I still like the hype cycle that comes around it. Even if these reviews aren't great, that stuff is still fun, um, from the sports side of it. Well, I think, I think too, like, you know, you and I care about like how a game scores if we're going to pick it up, you know what I mean? As like, as like people who care about video games and, and stuff like that. But like, let's say my dad played video games (laughs) He would buy this every year. Yeah. You know what I mean? To play with his friends. You know what I mean? Because, like, to him, it, it's not about is it, like, a fantastic work of art that I'm going to be thinking about for the next five years. It, is, uh, my dad would not be wondering, is this going to be make me feel the way Near Automata made me feel? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like if they come out with a new version of XL and it sucks and everyone says it sucks, but like what else are you gonna buy? You gotta buy right, that yeah. version of XL. You, know what I mean? you gotta But, but yeah. I think I think what you said though like does matter, right? About like looking at the stats and like I imagine like people talk about the stats. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like imagining what it's like to like football. Um <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like talking about it and like uh, 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 that, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say with this? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That I would say that yes, you and I care about review scores, of course. Um, but I, I think that generally people don't the, like the type of person who's going to play this and buy it. I'm not trying to say that those people are only playing sports games and only playing like you know annual games like that. Um, but I am saying that like something like this, I think it matters a little bit less what reviews are saying and more just like Madden is an established franchise of football games that are you know, that people play and, and, and want to have because they want the updated roster every single year. Um, 
and, and you know I, I can't i can't fault him for that i get it i'm the same way about certain things right so um, last game in the Metacritic round up here is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the Xbox Series X. Got an 80 on the PS5. It is unscored on the PC. It got a 70 and it is unscored on the Xbox One and PS4. Justin, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is um, a, uh, a isn't this a, a multiplayer experience like the uh, Friday the 13th game or am I making yeah. that up? No, no, it's one of those like asymmetrical games, like you're yeah. going against the what is it, the three B four B one or whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Uh. Great. I'm glad these games come out. I really hope that when they come out with games like this, um, they're not. Their expectations aren't that they're going to be the next big thing. Um. But I feel like they get the most pop from the beginning, and then some of them still stick around. Dead by Daylight. That's still pretty popular. Yes. Um, um, to clarify, too, uh, this was developed and published by Gun Interactive, and Gun Interactive made Friday the 13th, the game, and also is that, is, pu- published is, Layers of Fear 2. Is Friday um, the 13th, didn't they just close that one down, too? I think so. There were some issues, I know, with the rights of it, yeah. um, something like that, but then also, like, at a certain point, you just got to shut the servers down. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, even if they're just kind of, like, reskinning some of the mechanics, and that's their, like, roster update instead of it being yeah, this is the Friday Madden, the 13th. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, people, people get joy out of these games and I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think like this, this is a kind of game that they don't make that much of. If you're looking for an, uh, you know, the three V one, four V one kind of game, um, and you have a group of friends that you want to play with, or you just want to kind of randomly jump in. I think that's definitely worthwhile. Me personally, I don't find those games to be as fun with random people. Like if you're just like jumping on in a queue because everyone's doing their own stupid thing, um, so that's not the kind of game I would go for, but I think I own Dead by Daylight on like two systems. Um, I uh, I'm a fan of an asymmetrical multiplayer game. Uh, I don't like Dead by Daylight. I played it for I don't know two or three hours with my friends when we were like kind of wavering away from Apex a little bit when we were looking for something new to play. I do not understand how people play that game every single day. Like there's like maybe we just didn't do it right, but there's only one game mode. And it's the same thing every time. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a lot for me. Uh, but a game like this, like, I don't have any, I've never watched a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie because um, I uh, would not react well to that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't enjoy watching gory stuff happen to people. You know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. Um, so I've never seen one of these. That said, this is the sort of game that I would probably have some fun with. You know what I mean? Like, with my friends and whatever. Um, just because it is fun to, 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 play games like these with people you know you know what i mean even if it's not the most like technically deep game or or something like that um it is it is still fun or like i played the um predator hunting grounds with them as well where one person's a predator and the other people are like um the like marines or whatever uh and then like it's fun you know it's fun enough to just like to to be a big beast and 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 rip some people apart you know oh uh peter what does the predator sound like um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with Thanks. that, with that uh, in mind, what does the predator sound like? Slurp and soup. <laughs> what? What are you asking me? What does this mean? Uh, I'm just trying to get some sound effects going. You know. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. For the, make it a ringtone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I here's okay. Here's some. Here's a disclosure. I've never seen Predator. I couldn't tell by the sound you made. It sounded identical. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I, I knew I, ma- I hit it pretty well. Um, 
I because I always thought like my problem is like I always thought that Predator was the movies were bad because I knew about Alien versus Predator. And apparently yeah. that movie's really bad. So there's a and scene. I played the Alien vs. Predator game. What's that? There's a, there's a scene in Alien vs. Predator when at the end, like, the human, like, gets ready to fight whatever they're fighting. And they, like, put on one of the alien heads as, like, a like a weapon. Oh. Yeah. They, can they touch it? Because isn't that blood acid? It I didn't, mean, didn't come up. All right. Yeah. yeah, it was it was one of the, the movies I watched when I was at the movie theater and I didn't actually pay for the ticket for it. I just stuck my head in the theater. and I was like, oh, oh when you were happening. There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days, man. I saw. Oh, I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And Fucking delightful. Oh. Absolutely delightful. Could oh, not have been great. more pleasantly surprised. Isn't that I with like- Seth Rogen as um, isn't he the, the rat? What's the rat's name? I should know. Master Splinter. No, Jackie Chan is Master Splinter. Who's Seth Rogen? I see him in all the interviews. So he's, I think he like was the executive producer on it. Um, he plays one of the, uh, he plays a rhinoceros. One oh, of the okay. Yeah. Classic turtles villain. I'm forgetting why, his name right now, but why haven't I seen more Jackie Chan in the, in the press cycle? Um, cause you know, union strong. He's just too fast, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Does he do, like I guess yeah, I've really only seen seen Seth Rogen, but like the kids in it are delightful. They're very fun. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. You, and it was like an think, hour and a half. Do you think great. Jackie Chan did his own stunts for that movie? Absolutely. He's like known to do it. So yeah, no, he he definitely. You could tell it was him in the mocap suit of, of a rat rat tail, just big rat tail. Um, <laughs> Justin, have you played any games this week? Uh, I've only continued to plunk away at Diablo Immortal. Um, so far I'm still like just enjoying that enough to kind of like go through the story and like just play it when I have some time. Um, we were driving to a family party this weekend, um, and my wife wanted to drive. So I was like, great. So then I started playing Diablo Immortal till I got motion sick and then I stopped yeah, um, for about 10 minutes. That would be me. That was a dungeon I get, like though. seven. Yeah. Yeah. That, get that was a dungeon. So I got through at least one of the dungeons and stuff. Um, I'm really starting to, I'm getting a little bit deeper into the, the legendary stones, the gems that you can get mm-hmm, for it, mm-hmm. um, and trying to get materials for that. Um, so here's a pro tip, just yep. log in every day and kill one thing and you'll get some upgrade materials. Okay. Okay. So, there you go. I'll, I'll keep that in mind for the next time I download and play, download uh, and play yeah. it again yeah, in the car mortal. for the seven yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Justin, I beat Sekiro. Whoa. So you beat, beat it. You you beat Calamity Ganon, huh? I did beat Calamity Ganon, Ganon the Demon of Hatred. Uh, I will stand by this. I was talking to one of our Twitter followers on Twitter about it because um, he was asking me, checking in on how I was doing with it. And um, I stand by the fact that that boss that I was stuck on, the Demon of Hatred, is basically a Dark Souls boss or like Elden Ring boss. And I don't think it has much place in Sekiro based on the mechanics. I think, I don't think it's a bad boss. Like I think it would work really well in dark souls or demon souls or whatever. Um, but in Sekiro, it just doesn't work. Cause like it's a game built around like one-on-one sword fights and like having a giant monster that's like slashing away at you. It's just not <laughs> like, like you can't do anything about that, you know? Yeah. But I yeah. powered through, I beat it. I listened to, I, I watched a video on about like, Hey, here's like some tips. And the guy said this, he was like, this is, you're at the end of the game use those items that you've been worried about that you've been saving on to. Cause usually I don't use a lot of items in like dark soul stuff just cause like they're complicated. You know what I mean? And, and like a lot of the time, um, you know, it'll be like, Oh, you only get eight of these in the whole game. And then I just yeah, never, yeah. I just never think to use them, you know, but I was like, all right, let's I'll use, I will use the items. 
So I beat him, and then I went on to beat the final two bosses. Um, the final boss of that game is just a truly incredible sword fight. It's is just it- a final test, a final exam on everything you learned the whole game. That must have been annoying doing that after the Dark Souls boss when you didn't have to use any of those skills. <laughs> no, it was great because I was like, oh, this is why I like this game. Of, yeah. of just like going like, oh, this is so good. And so basically like not to spoil it too much, but um, you fight uh, one guy is the final boss, but he only has one death blow needed to take him down. So you take him down and then the true final boss shows up who has three phases. And uh, so it's really like a four phase fight. Right. But like if you are skilled enough and if you've practiced enough, you can like pump through that first phase or that first like boss in like 15 seconds if you just deflect and, and hit as fast as you possibly can and like, just keep an eye on what they're doing. Um, so that, that final boss though, the sword Saint Ishin is just impeccable, just so good. It, it, like I said, it tests every single thing that you've learned because he has, um, a sword for the first phase. And then in the second and third phase, he has a sword in one hand and a big spear in the other. And so I love fighting enemies who have spears because there's this move you have, uh, it's called like the Kurakawa counter or something like, it's like that. It's like when you step on the, the yeah, where they, where they like come to stab you and you step on the spear yeah. and then you like, yeah. yeah, it like deals a bunch of posture damage. It's like pulling that off is so satisfying because once you get the timing down, it's just like it makes the enemy look like a child. You know what I mean? You're, you're <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you, you know nothing. Right. So doing that to the final boss is like it's just so cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I got I got there, there's three endings in the game. Well, there's really there's four endings. Uh, there's an ending that you can get like, <clears throat> I don't know like two thirds of the way through where just like a, a bad guy gives you a choice and you can just take it. And then you just fight two bosses and then it's over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. He's like, Hey, Hey, come with me, come work with me. And you can be like, okay. <laughs> and then like the game's over. Um, but I, so I got, I got the secret and like true ending of the game. Cause you beat calamity Ganon. Cause I beat calamity Ganon. Um, no, he was not required, but, um, there was, there were, there was one optional boss fight, um, that was, probably the hardest in the game if i had to, if i had to say so um that just kicked my ass for so long but um is was just fantastic so i went through and i like looked on the wikipedia page like the wikis and everything i beat every enemy or like every boss in the game all the optional bosses all the main bosses um i feel like i have truly mastered sekiro shadows die twice hell yeah uh was the story good yeah Okay. It was because well, uh, it also like it's different than like a Dark Souls, right? Where like I think I could kind of tell you what happened in Dark Souls three. Like I just played it. Like I think I could kind of tell you that or like even with Elden Ring, I think that's even more straightforward. Um, but like I know what happened in Sekiro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty simple because like, you know, most of the game is not about the story, but it, a lot of it is just like, hey, go get this thing. Hey, come back here. Let's use that thing to make this thing. And then we need one more thing to get that, you know, but um, I really liked it better than elden ring hmm oh hmm i've sort of gone back and forth on like is this their best game um like the highs i had with this game are higher than any game i think i've ever played before the lows though or like the disparity between the lows and the highs right like i don't think i've ever been as frustrated with the game um yeah you said there's four endings there's really five the fifth one is you just taking the game and snapping it yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) no that's actually like a very good point um yeah i don't know like is it better than elden ring i don't know um i think that i think it's tough because like i can compare dark souls to elden ring really easily i can compare bloodborne to elden ring really easily because the mechanics are the same right like for the most part 
this game is like so different, you know. I would say it is better. I liked it better than Elden Ring. Mm, I don't know. I really liked. El- I don't know. Maybe I have to replay Elden Ring. But that's an investment, man. You're so I finished Sekiro and I started up Dark Souls too. Oh, um, you're really working through them. Yeah, and my my love for Dark Souls three, Elden Ring, and Sekiro does not extend to Dark Souls two. <laughs> this this motherfucker, I do not recognize. He's not my friend. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just different. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know how, like going backwards through a series, we were sort of talking about this with Blasphemous, right? Like going backwards through a series is like sometimes like a little like jarring. Cause you're just like, Oh no, this sucks. You know, but, um, it doesn't suck. It's just like different, you know, especially when going from Sekiro where like, it's very like Sekiro is so precise. Right. Um, and Dark Souls two is a little less precise, you know, and punishing in a way that doesn't seem fair. Yeah, yeah, because with Dark Souls 2, when you die, your health bar just, like, decreases until you use a human effigy, which is just, like, why? Why have you done this to me, Dark Souls 2? Well, when I'm feeling low, I'll just sometimes pull out a human effigy and... You know, Justin, what's your human effigy? What is it? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, whenever I um, comb Archie, I collect his hair that comes out of the (laughs) comb. No, I guess I meant, like... (laughs) I guess I meant like, what is the thing that you consume to regain your human form? <laughs> to, like when you're at your lowest. Yeah. So I, whenever I comb Archie, oh, yeah, I take okay, his hair yes, sorry, and yes, I weave okay. it together into um, whatever my worries are. And then when the worries become too much, I just pop it in. We're good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mine is a full box of cinnamon toast crunch. So <laughs> um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Dark Souls 2 during our bonus episode. Justin, let's talk about the news. Let's do it. Sorry. Oh my gosh. You, I was just like, he's not going to do it. I was like, that's fine. He can, he can sort of change it up on me, but like, you know, <laughs> I guess let's, let's talk about the news. Yeah. Starfield. I've been thinking about this game a lot lately. Uh, when everyone and their fucking dad and mother and, f- and son and daughter was tweeting. I have a, I have a review code for Starfield. I'm like, why? Like, Sometimes, like, this happens with, like, big games where people just start tweeting, like, I have the game. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, okay. And? And then you got people, like, then tweeting, like, cryptic, like, little mini reviews of the game. I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And you have the people like me who are going down the Reddit rabbit hole trying to find out if the game is any good. I think it's probably all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. from what, like, you know what I mean? But, huh. So, um, the... So, no controversy? The game is great? Yep. No one said anything about the game other than I have it. Cool. And Sweet. I'm playing it. So I, my favorite story of the day. Everything's positive. The world's going great. Nothing wrong. We're good. We can move on. Right? Moving right along to Nintendo of America tweeted, uh, no, okay. So, <laughs> some guy, or maybe this is just, like, I don't know who this guy is. This guy on Twitter, at Grums, who is, um... Uh, Mark Kern, who's an ex-Blizzard developer, um, tweeted an image of the Starfield... uh, I think the Broke Embargo. um, is tweeted an image of the Starfield, like, home screen. Um, And let me just describe to you what the home screen is, if you haven't seen it, listener. In the center of the screen, it says Starfield with the logo behind that. Like, the whole screen is just an image of, like a planet like eclipsing like a star and it just like looks really spacey bottom left corner bethesda game studios top right 
It says, welcome to Starfield, like a little graphic, a little box. It says, means the world to us to have you explore a brand new universe, blah, 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 right? Like, we are so excited to see what you discover. This is where, like, notices are going to go. Like, I, I feel like this is wild that I'm describing this to you because you can imagine this. Like, you know what this is. Like, there's, like, patch notes that are going to go here or, like, seasonal events or, like, whatever the fuck, right? And then on the left side, it, there are uh, several options. It says new, load, settings, photo gallery, crew, and quit. So uh, it's wild that I'm describing this to you. But this guy, Mark Kern, tweeted this. The physiognomy of start screens. Already an incredible way to start this. Like, physiognomy. Yeah, let's, let me let's, let's use a let's use a big word here. Someone's been playing Wordle. Someone someone is trying to sound smarter than they are. Um, so physiognomy, as we all know, is a person's facial features or expression, especially when regarded as indicative of character or ethnic origin. So already a little bit like, hmm. <laughs> okay, it's a title screen we're talking about here. Okay. Yeah, it's, it just means, it just is like the general appearance, right, of like how something is like, like looks, right? Um, but so he's trying to use his big $5 words here, the physiognomy of start screens. The start screen of a game can reveal a lot about how rushed the team was and how much pride they took in their work. Starfield's start screen either shows hasty shipping deadlines by a passionate team overworked or a team that didn't care. Um, which I think is just a silly thing to, to think about. Uh, you and I are going to go in a little bit more in-depth during our bonus episode this week for Deluxe Patreon producers, $5, uh, $3 on uh, patreon.com slash hitbox. Um, where we're going to look at a bunch of different start screens and just like talk about this. It, it is, it's a ridiculous statement, right? Like it just doesn't make sense. A start screen doesn't mean anything about how much the team cared, right? Like I think menus are an important aspect of game design and it, having good menus is really important. But the start screen of a game like this just simply doesn't matter. Um, but Pete Hines, Pete Hines is, uh, what is his official title here? Um, Czar of Bethesda? Dragonborn? Uh, head of publishing at Bethesda. Okay. Close. Um, responded to some tweets talking, or responded to a tweet uh, uh, that tagged him in the comments of the original tweet there that says, hey, at DC Deacon, which is Pete Hines, next time you and the folks, the lovely folks over at BAGS, instead of rushing to make a game with many systems, factions, choices, and ways to play, I would urge you only focus on the title screen so you guys don't appear to be hasty or simply didn't care. <laughs> this is a very funny tweet. This, this guy's making fun of Bart Kern. Um, yeah, and yeah. That's very funny. And Pete Hines said, or they designed what they wanted, and that's been on our, our menu for years and was one of the first things we settled on. Having an opinion is one thing. Questioning uh, our, uh, questioning out a developer's care because you would have done it differently is highly unprofessional coming from another quote-unquote dev. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like really, really, really hitting him with, with some uh, some some words there which i think like is warranted like mark kern what the fuck are you talking about like like not to mince words here like literally what the fuck are you talking about what do you mean <laughs> like what do you mean by this what could you mean by i don't know like tell me what you mean by this i mean what are your thoughts on like like I, it's so wild to even ask like what are your thoughts on start screens justin but like what do you what what do you take on this like do you have any feelings about this like i, I i'm curious so from from the beginning, when when I heard this situation, I, I, I thought for a second, like I saw Pete Hines respond and I'm like, baller response. That's good. Mm -hmm. Nice way of doing that. Great. But then I'm like, does a title does a good title screen make a good game? No, it, there's memorable title screens, right? Like I think about like Halo 3 has a really good title screen, you know, but 
But to me, it's not the title screen that makes a memorable title screen. Um, like automatically, two that come to my head that were memorable as title screens to me, probably the one that is the most memorable to me is the original Mass Effect one. Yes. And that's probably because I probably fell asleep a lot with the game menu playing. And I just <laughs> sure, heard that sure, like music sure. in the back of my head. Um, but it's the music in that that makes it a good title screen. Not what you see on the screen. Like, you know, Mass Effect 3, you see Earth being destroyed, which is kind of cool. But it's like not. Didn't make the game good or not. The game made yeah. itself good or not good. Um, the other one I brought up was Elden Ring, um, which. Yeah. I, let's talk about a good a good troll. It's a good troll because you start the title screen and it's just nothing. You just see the Elden Ring logo and the black background. And there's like a very like low music playing underneath it. And then after about 15 seconds, you'd hear bomb. You hear like loud as the orchestra just like get into it. Yeah, I think this is something that I I think you can't have an opinion about the the title screen all you want. I think the opinion is good, but when you're associating a title screen with game devs caring about this game, um, I think that's where it gets a little silly to me, just like Pete Hines said. Uh, a title screen is a title screen. It's not the game. If you spend more time on the title screen than you did playing the game, there's something wrong with the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, and that's the thing. Like This just feels like to me like just they want this kernel of, of information about this one thing that just doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, or even like like a bunch of people are like quote tweeting this his tweet uh, Mark Kearns just saying like here are some excellent title screens that are basically the same thing. I've, the first one that springs to mind for me when I look at the Starfield one, the leaked one, is like the Skyrim title screen, which is great. Like I, I hear the the Dovahkiin music, you know what I mean? But it, it's same thing. It's just like new game, load game, credits, settings, quit. You know what I mean? Like like that sort of stuff. Or like um this person uh, one tw- t- twitter user uh tweeted out like the dark souls um title screen which is basically the same thing elden ring is on here as well halo one xenoblade one portal two chrono trigger like they're all just like the same like it's just wild to be like these games were made by lazy people yeah that's just it's a yeah. bridge too far sorry mr was it kern 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 I don't, i'm not trying to call you an idiot but i am gonna say what a dumb fucking thing to say <laughs> <laughs> and to not tweet out and immediately delete. I know. Jesus. No. Sorry. Not, not to be like, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, why do this? <laughs> I don't know. Just like, why do this? Why have you done this? Whatever. Well, I mean, it's going to give us content for a bonus episode. So, yes, it is. So, <laughs> thanks, man. Um, thanks, Mr. Kern. Thank you. Subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> uh, new right. subscriber, Mark Kern. Justin, I told you not to look into this news story at all because when I brought it up to you today, you were like, what? What happened? Um, so at about at 9 a.m., so in the right, before, right and early in the morning. Yes, what's up? Before you start, I just want to say I'm a little nervous based on this episode doc that we have in front of us because you said the Mario franchise gets a big shakeup. That was your preview that you did, right? Good headline, yes. great. Like, what is it? The question makes you want to listen. That's a good yes. start. And then the title of this article that you wrote in, this is not what the article's title. You said Correct. Charles Marnier passes away. So at 9 a.m., Nintendo of America tweets out, we have a message for fans of the Mushroom Kingdom. Please take a look. And then a big red text box they never do this. This is like, hey, something's happening. Um, are you looking at this right now? I, uh, I am now, but you can read it to me. I just have it pulled up. I'm let me let me read this out loud. All so right. like 
Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Super Mario 64. Charles is now, by the way, as, as this is happening, what, like you hear that first sentence, what does that make you think? You've led me to believe now he's definitely dead. I thought it was like, holy shit, he fucking died. <laughs> the way, like the way this is like set up, like, oh my gosh, he died. This is so sad. What? Yeah, yeah. Charles is now moving into the brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games, but he'll continue to travel the world sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years. We want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we will post in a future date. I, like, I, like, I don't mean to like, get, like zag on you in this way. To have deceived you. I feel bad. I never want to deceive you. And I'm not laughing about the idea of this man passing away because obviously that would be very sad. But just like the whiplash of going like, oh, my gosh, did he die? Because like of the way that they posted about this. Yeah. I, and to I them also wanna, like he's the Mario ambassador. What does that mean? I've also like like the the way you set it up really led me down that path. Like as this is going through the episode, doc, I'm like, oh, no. Um <laughs> Did they delay cyberpunk again and just change how they're doing it? Like, is that what happened here? Um, so I, there's probably a lot of reasons that this has happened. Um, but the thing that, that is confusing about me is yeah, he's, he's 70 years old. That's, that's, you know, that's not, that's not old, but that ain't young. And to me, I think the, the doable part of the job would be the voice recording. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you like you can uh, at this point in time do it from home yeah uh right the, like, like the, the traveling would be the difficult part but the fact that he is still traveling and not doing the voice first of all it makes me think it's not an age-related thing it makes me think it might be a directional thing what if mario is going to from now on sound like chris pratt so me and my roommate Josh were talking about this <laughs> about, first of all, what is does it mean to be the Mario ambassador? What does that mean? Like what? What? Does, no, like, like, look at me and tell me what that means, Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, it's just like going to conventions and signing stuff, right? Like, I get like, you know, that's fine. Like, it's just like a PR role. But like it like you're saying what you're saying is, you know, he's in his 70s. That is a weird thing for him to be assigned. When like, let the man retire. <laughs> Yeah, what if he's what if he doesn't have a choice? What if he's like forced to do this? <laughs> like you must it's like do this. Yes. Sorry, we don't want you to be the voice actor anymore and you now have to go to all these conventions and sign all these autographs. Have fun. Or let him continue to voice classic characters like Alduin, the dragon from Skyrim. Oh, no. Um, yeah, that's weird, Wahoo. right? Also, what is this erasure of Mario's game gallery or Mario teaches typing? Charles Martinet's first Mario role. <laughs> Um, Mario 64. Shut are you on, are you on the IMDb? Up. No. Um, one of the editors I used to work with, uh, tweeted out, um, also it's wild how much Nintendo loves re revising Mario history to make everything adhere to the mainline games. No respect for Mario teaches typing in Mario's game galleries. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so not only was, not only did they tweet this out, um, but Nintendo confirmed to IGN, that Charles Martinet will not be involved with Super Mario Bros. Wonder. That seems so, like a little late in the process to... Uh, 
decide like, that. No, I, I imagine that you've had that decided for a while, right? But just like, hey, here's the announcement. Charles oh, yeah, Martin's yeah, not yeah. in it, right? Um, but then also, like, like he doesn't just do the voice for Mario. He does Mario and Luigi and Waluigi and Wario. Like, he does, like, so much for, for the series. So, like, it is just such... It's going to be so weird, right? And so then what you, I think you asked a really good question about, like, so what are they doing? Like, is it... Are they doing... Are they going to do... Like, obviously, like, Chris Pratt is not going to do the voice of Mario mm, if he's mm-hmm. not going to get paid $7 million, right? But are they going to go in a direction of trying to make Mario talk like that? You know, like, like, like talk in a way that is just, like, he's more vocal as opposed to just like text being on screen they can't fucking pay for pokemon to have voice acting right so like part of me is like no but like you know like like i don't want that let me say this let me say this as someone who like like enjoys mario as far as i can have fun with it with my girlfriend like i do not want a man speaking real full sentences to me that are not just like oh it's i mean you know like like yeah yeah thoughts okay so my first thing here is is he even italian no so this was a ma- whole thing this was like a whole thing when chris pratt was cast where everyone's yeah. like everyone pretended to care that mario was cast as an italian man like that yeah. matters fucking at all or that like mario is good italian represent like what are you talking about yeah so what, like, like what are you talking about Maybe Nintendo's like, finally, we have to make sure that we have an Italian plumber, not Charles Martinet. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe, uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're responding to the controversy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even think he's a plumber. So they need to find a true Italian who can also plumb in order to, to play the new Mario. The second uh, observation I have, did you know Charles Martinet is 6'3"? He fucking dunk, dude. I know that is, a, that is a, <laughs> a giant Mario. He had his super mushroom. He is ready to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it might be it might just be a, a newer direction with Mario. Um, 67, I, I, by the way. I apologize. He's not in his oh, 70s. Well, he might as well be. You know what I mean? I mean? He's just right around the corner. But yeah, go so, on. Sorry for our 60-year-old listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, I would assume it's just maybe a different direction. Yeah. Uh, that they're going with it. I mean, think of how much physically Mario has evolved since, you know, yep. the f- jump man to now. So uh, maybe just a voice that fits a little bit better. Or maybe even it is a situation where um, it is harder for him to to do the voice consistently at his age. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not a vocal actor. I don't know how that that works. But I would assume even as you get older, your voice continues to develop and change a little bit. So maybe his falsetto just went away. <laughs> He's like, whoa, I <laughs> like, can't do it anymore. <laughs> just can't do it anymore. I mean, I'll say this, though, like, like I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. And like the man is a pro, like outside of like doing every single Mario game forever. Right. Like he is a like very accomplished and very like prolific voice actor outside of all that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he, he's in all sorts of random stuff, you know, like I said, he's in Skyrim and, and whatever. Um, but like, just as I'm like going through here, he's also in, um, be honest. There's a lot of Mario on here. There's a lot of Mario dragon ball legends. Oh, who'd he play? Um, magenta. Hmm. Yeah. It's a good character. Yeah. I don't know about all that, but um, 
Uh, he, I mean, like he's he's in all sorts of things on here, <laughs> such as let me find something that's not Mario related. Renaissance of Fate, a game I've never heard of. This is a JRPG, um, published by Sega for the PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty in the year two thousand ten. Um, Ratchet and Clank, a future, uh, a crack in time. You know what I mean? Like, like he's he's in all sorts of stuff. So like, do do you think do you fine, think but. that uh, he's also the official voice of Luigi, Wario, yep. Wild Luigi, Baby Mario, and Baby Luigi? Is he still yep. in those roles? He was Luigi in Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. As we, he was Mario, uh, and then he was Mario, Luigi, Wario, and Wild Luigi in Mario Strikers Battle League and Superstars uh, Mario Party Superstars. Use Wario and Wario where to get together. Mario Golf, Super Rush. I so mean, like he's, he's, he does it all. So maybe he's still those roles. Maybe he just lost Mario's crown. But I don't know. I mean, like on here, it doesn't even have Wario for that upcoming WarioWare game. I mean, Wikipedia is not the end all be all of knowledge on this, but like. I mean. But they, it, they said that, that he is moving on from. Um, moving into a brand new role of Mario Ambassador, which I'm just going to assume that he's not doing Wario. Yeah, he's going to just start cosplaying as Mario everywhere he goes. Oh, he does. Oh, don't get it, don't get it twisted. The man's always wearing the hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's his job, yes. Um, speaking of uh, uh, these sort of adaptations, though, um, a live-action Jack and Daxter film is in the works, um, which uh, directed by... Um, What's his name? Um, Ruben Fleischer, who directed uh, Uncharted. He confirmed that he's currently working um, uh, on a, an adaptation for Jack and Daxter. He confirmed this back in February, um, but it was unclear what he was like. There were, there were no other details other than he is currently working on it. But um, this past week, um, this Twitter account, Screen Time, which is um, part of Dextero, um, says that Tom Holland will play Jack and Chris Pratt will voice Daxter. What do you think of this? I, you know, they make more than six actors in Hollywood, everyone. Like, I don't... <laughs> like, Here's my hot take. Tom Holland, I like you as Spider-Man. I do not think you have done incredible work outside of s- the film, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh trivia question what other movie were they in together besides um, marvel it's it's some oh gosh uh, it's a pixar movie that came out right being in a pandemic called un homebound unbound close close, close. all close oh, ah yeah you got it you got it onward um, um by the way that was like a surprisingly touching little flick josh said so as well um and i don't no spoilers here the whole like conceit that they're dealing with a pair of legs, like a sentient pair of legs is one of the funniest little conceits I've ever seen in a Pixar movie. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, just a pair of legs. They're walking around. That's kind of fun. Yeah, um, but but like it's it's a little bit of a tearjerker, my friend. So I, I all Pixar movies have been lately. They're just like, how about we make you cry really hard? Do you see soul? I was like, what the fuck? Did you do this? <laughs> Is that wasn't Jamie Fox? So, wasn't Soul just like give up on your dreams? Isn't that kind of the uh, I give don't up your, give up on your dreams and become a teacher? Is kind of Jamie like Fox. what I um how I took that message. It was um it was sad. What is the main message of Soul? 
Um, it is one of the first questions on the Google page. Um, Give up on your dreams. The message and is a that life has meaning that goes beyond a personal ambition. So yeah, kind of. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah, kind of <laughs> wrong. I mean, so I've already achieved enlightenment, my friend. <laughs> he played. Um, did he play the saxophone, like violin, or something like that? He was a jazz musician, wasn't he? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the score. That's um, insane. Who are they? Trent Reznor. Uh, he's was Nine Inch Nails, the band. He did the soundtrack for the social network. He does a lot of like movie soundtracks now that Nine Inch Nails is kind of done. Um, but they, that's just such a wild pairing thing for no, because uh, he and um, um, Atticus Fin Atticus Ross. What's his name? <laughs> Atticus Finch. Yeah, Atticus Ross um, do film scores together. Um, but it's just wild that why is he doing um, <laughs> why is he doing the soul music? He did the music theme in Call of Duty Black Ops 2. That's and a memorable one. It was the sound like, engineer dun, for dun, dun, Doom. Dun, he, was, he did Doom 3. That was uh, Call of Duty. Uh, I'll be honest, though, that does that. What the fuck? The, him and Atticus Ross also did the soundtrack for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> wow, you are just, wow. You've seen um, that. I have seen that. I actually, I do. I remember seeing. I remember actually. I think I commented on that when in, when the the, the the credits were going. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, <laughs> Nine Inch Nails, good band. Anyway, uh, Jack and Daxter, thoughts? Do you care about this? Like, I, like, I, I, I mean, at a certain point, um, it's hard for me not to think that Sony is knowing what they're doing right now. But I, like, yeah, you know, they've come out with a run of successful video game properties recently yep. um so i'm sure it'll be fine but i don't need to see this i mean even <sighs> playing through jack too and much Dexter, was that last year or a year and a half ago yeah. um it's fine like i don't know if i need to be in that world but people this is will too like much it for me they're, they're like i'm getting like the stress of like the way marvel does things now or like star yeah. wars where it's like here's all 19 of our projects and i'm like fucking can you just stick with two and make sure they're good before you know like sony has been like doing i guess good work with its adaptations and whatever so like i guess that's a little different than like what marvel's been up to lately um shout out what's the game called twisted metal but like uh like it's just it's just too much it's just too much for me please stop announcing stuff please so, enough so if it's live action they better go all the way live action this is how i will watch it so like you know chris pratt obviously uh he'll be J jack is the brooding one right um and then he'll be daxter you think he will be that's what they said. Oh, fuck that. I thought it'd just be so funny to see like Tom Holland slithering around him the whole time. Yeah, like because to me, like, I don't know. Like, that's wait, how are they going to make it a live action when you got like just a size thing, like a physical animated thing? dude? But is that truly live action? What is live action anymore? True. Make him a puppet. The only way I'll accept this is if it's like a really good puppet. But it's just a hand puppet the whole time. That's fine. I can deal with that. He's small. Right. <laughs> and like, what a fun, what a fun. I'm I'm always I'm pro puppet. Okay, you know me. I am a fan of the puppets. In fact, if if I had to like two chances to live my life again, one I might consider going into marketing. The second one definitely Fair. be a puppeteer. Yeah, I, I agreed. Agreed. Justin Allen Wake too has had a ten day delay. It okay. was originally going to launch on October seventeenth. Now is launching on October twenty seventh. What were you gonna say? 
I saw Alan Wake delayed, and for a moment, I was going to text you and be like, I'm so sorry this has happened to you again. Um, but then it was 10 days, and I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so from the official Alan Wake Twitter account, um, it says, an update from the Alan Wake 2 team. We're moving Alan Wake 2's launch from October 17 to October 27. October is an amazing month for game launches, and we hope this date shift gives more space for everyone to enjoy their favorite games. We can't wait to show you what everyone's favorite novelist is up to in the dark place next week. Thank you for your patience. Next week being for Gamescom. Um, but uh, yeah, this makes sense to me. Uh, if you're going to delay your game, if you want to have 10 more days to work on it, um, and also say like that you're giving players time, which you know we talked about. Like we appreciate that with Assassin's Creed moving up um, a week, giving some space to Mario, and Wonder, and Spider Man, and then obviously Alan Wake Two is is moving away ten days the opposite direction. That's great. That makes October a lot more manageable to me, for me personally, someone who plays a lot of video games. Um, and like to me, the date October seventeen and October twenty seven right now, where my life is at, those are the same date for me. Yeah, does I not know, affect right? me at all. You know what I mean? Like, like if this was like in two weeks, yeah, that would be a, a, you know different for me. But um, yeah, I think I think this is fine, and I'm glad because it makes it a little bit easier. What do you think? Yeah, it, it's just funny. My default was that it's delayed out of the year. Um, well, because that's just what how it happens, right? But yeah, and you know, to be honest, like I know October is the perfect time for it, right around spooky time. Um, I mean, if this if this game was like at a certain point, one of these big ass games has to like consider being like is january gonna serve us better i know we do we, we talk about this sort of thing a lot video game releases for 2023 that are remaining um like there's so much that just still it's, is it's a lot it's a lot yeah but so like in october let's see here anything big uh spider-man 2 obviously right um alone in the dark i guess did that is that not getting Alone I've not heard end. anything about that. Ghost Runner 2 uh, is going on, too, as well. That just got a, a release date of October 26th, so the day before um, Alan Wake 2. And then November, like, there's not a whole lot. You got Star Ocean, uh, Second Story R, which is um, a JRPG thing. Uh, Thirsty Suitors, which I'm into. Uh, Warrior Wear, Move It. Like a Dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, the day before, apparently, allegedly. Um, Persona 5 Tactica, Super Mario RPG Remake. Like that's all November. That's all like that's announced in November. And there are two games that we have dates for in December. Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince, and Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, a video game we have not seen fucking anything about really. Maybe we did in, in E3 stuff, but well, maybe. But then like the rest of like the things that are like to be like TBD, like I don't know. Is <laughs> is um uh Hollow Knight Silk Song really gonna get that that release date this year? No. Uh, seems unlikely. You know what I'm no. saying? Like, like there's just so much Jackbox Party Pack 10. Are we getting that? You know, the Anacrusis that was supposed to happen. Talos Principle too. Like, I, I know there's time for all these things, right? But um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I wonder what we are going to actually be getting in November and December. I mean, even December though. That's such a that's a scary time to put things out. Just with like you know how. Uh, consumer cycles work but yeah but it's weird because usually we get like like obviously like october is like that sweet spot for like video game releases where like you get like a big nintendo game like a big sony game or a big xbox game um but that the big xbox game obviously starfield is coming in september right and then october we are getting both um you know spider-man and mario on the same day and then november there's nothing like just nothing big from any of the like the really big guys you know i guess call of duty but like 
I mean, that's you that's know, different. I mean, that, that, that'll that's, sell every that'll, year, right? Yeah. yeah, and then December just nothing. So it's interesting, is all I'm trying to say. But our Super Mario RPG fans out there are very unhappy with you right now. So that's they're gonna, fine. Yeah, that's fine. They can they can <laughs> yeah let, be upset let, with me. Let them throw a shell at you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know how to do. I know how to deal with that. I jump on it twice. And put out a, a banana peel just as it's approaching you. Come on. Did we talk on the podcast about the flying kick I threw at the Joker? I don't think I mean, it was I'm on agile. the podcast. Okay. Yeah. I'm agile. Yeah. I'm not going to recant the whole story, but I am agile but you punch, is what I'm trying you, to say. Yeah, you punched the Joker in the face is basically the summation. I need in the chest. Yeah. Um, and we are not kidding. It nope. happened. Nope. It happened. Uh, yeah. Justin, the Xbox 360 store is closing in July of 2024, but hold on. Don't get worried. It's just the store that's on the Xbox 360. It is not the current store. It's like not like you can still buy Xbox 360 games on the current Xbox One and Xbox Series X slash S marketplace. You can still, if you've got discs of Xbox 360 games, you throw that bad boy into your either your Xbox 360, Xbox One, or Xbox Series X slash S. It, it, you can't put in the S, S, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, It'll still work. You can play games that you have downloaded. All good. You can still play access all the DLC and everything like that. Servers for Xbox 360 games are also going to stay there. It's all good. Nothing is changing, really. Um, anything, it's just anything that is not currently on the Xbox store right now may get lost. I think there was like 200 games or something like that that may be lost. I saw Gerard the Completionist tweet about like, God, like, damn it, not again. I, I um, hope his goal is not to save everything on there like he did with the... Uh, was that the DS? The, it was the Wii U. The Wii U, uh, yeah. And maybe the yeah. 3DS as well. But yeah, yeah. he will have a much better time because it's just a lot easier to manage than Nintendo stuff. <clears throat> but, well, um, yeah. I guess I can put away my um, uh, 360 Elite finally after all yes. this time. I can yes, take it can. off the, the video game console. I can. I don't have to put any games in there anymore. I, I can retire it and it, it'll be, it's time. Yeah. So so I think like they, they Xbox made this statement in a uh, a news post and and like I think the headline here is is pretty on the money. The Xbox 360 store will close in July 2024, comma, but you can keep playing your favorite games. Like they just say like I really appreciate what this opening paragraph says here. I'm just going to read this real quick. This November will mark 18 years since Xbox 360 launch. It was a generation-defining console that invited many to jump into gaming for the first time and connect with friends around the world. Over the years, we've heard stories of players who found a lifelong love of games, starting with games like um, Cameo, Gears of War, Fable 2, and other Xbox 360 classics. We're thrilled so many fans keep playing their favorite Xbox 360 games on Xbox 360 or on newer consoles via backwards compatibility. As we head into 2024, we have to change... We have a change to share about the Xbox 360 experience. On July 29th, 2024, so we've got like a year until then, Xbox will stop supporting the ability to purchase new games, DLC, and other entertainment content from the Xbox 360 store on the console and the Xbox 360 marketplace. Related to this change, Microsoft Movies and TV app will no longer function, which means TV and movie content will no longer be viewable on your Xbox 360 at that date. Um... I just think it's like I think it's a pretty interesting blog post just talking about like hey technology has kind of changed a little bit and like you know we do have to shut these sort of things down but the fact that they have done such a good job like keeping things in um keep, keeping the ability to play these sorts of games and, and have these experiences I think is kind of cool so my only response to that like I, this is bound to happen more and more um and mm. things will inevitably be lost uh after this store goes down but um it's important that these games that keep getting these remakes and remasters and we kind of joke about like, what's the point of them? 
I mean, that that does goes a long way for preserving those games. Uh, keeps them in one around. Way or another. Yeah, definitely yeah. keeps them around. So uh, just part of part of technology, man. Yeah. Well, Xbox today also announced something kind of exciting. Um, Xbox Series X console wraps are launching this year with pre-orders starting today. And there are three designs to choose from. So console wraps are essentially like plastic um, like cases for your Xbox Series X. Um, that are similar to the the sort of thing of like the the PlayStation faceplates, um, but this thing is basically just like a full like it's there's there's like a thirty second video on this this blog post um, that shows how they work. They're just like a plastic like case for your Xbox three sixty that you can just wrap around it and like click it on and it dresses your Xbox up to look really nice. I think this is a really cool idea. Oh, sorry, there are, there are three um, three designs. They've got a Starfield design, which looks fucking sick. It's got that like white, like sleek white, white and gold design. And then um, that like badge, that like blue, yellow, orange, and red, like badge around the Xbox button. It looks really good. And then they've also got designs, um, two camouflage colors, like an Arctic camo. And then um, it's Arctic camo gray and white. And then a mineral camo, which is like blue and purple. Um, those don't really do it for me, but the Starfield one looks really good. And I don't know, this is something I've been sort of like interested in because like I love, I love like a design, like I love a good design. Uh, and Xbox like keeps like giving away like custom decaled Xboxes. You know what I mean? Uh, there's like a, a Armored Core one, and they did like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ones, and like all that sort of stuff. Like I think that's so so cool. But like to limit them to one, you know what I mean? They have like the Barbie one too. Like to limit it to one device, like it seems like just such a, a wasted opportunity. Um, but what do you think of this? This is kind of cool, right? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's cool if you can customize your, your Xbox a little bit, look pretty simple enough to do. Um, have you ever seen people try to wrap cars before? No. Like instead of painting a car, you can get like a, there's like a, looks like a massive sticker that you can put on top of your car. Oh, like to decals? Color it. De- well, bigger than that, the whole color paint will be oh, different. Oh, interesting. Um, and people always say like, oh, it looks difficult, air bubbles, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that's cool. Customization, great, even if there's some caveats to it. Um, I also have to make an admission to you. Mm-hmm. I was listening to you about 25% as you're explaining that story. Do you yeah. want to know why? Tell me, please. Because I had it to um, my favorite uh, writing buddy. His name is ChatGPT. Sure. And um, I asked ChatGPT very simply uh, to write me a clean Xbox rap. Ah, and Peter, let's hear it. Let's hear what what <coughs> Chad GPT thinks it, rap music sounds like. It, it's pretty long, so I'm only going to read to the cor- to the chorus. And yeah, okay. uh, it's a Please it's a full it's a full rap here. <coughs> let's hear let's hear the bars you've got. Rolling up in the virtual realm, Xbox <laughs> on, can't you tell? Controller in my grip, I'm locked and loaded, ready to excel. From Halo to Forza, we're living the dream, <laughs> gaming in 4K. Every pixel pristine in the Xbox universe. We rise, we grind, achievements unlocked. We're the mastermind with Game Pass on deck. Choices so vast. Every genre and title we play in so fast. Now we're in the chorus. Xbox crew, let's unite and play. Gather round, it's our time today. From the console to the cloud of pie, we'll level up together. Reach for the sky. Classic Xbox line, reach for the sky. Um, <laughs> Justin, bars. Let me just say, fucking straight bars you're spitting. The heat you have, the flow you have is just impeccable. Oh, man. Um, uh, it keeps reach going for on the from sky. there. Just a classic Xbox saying. <laughs> it's just a really good tagline there. 
Um, well, I'll say this though: uh, these are being sold starting October 18th. Which to me, I was like, oh, that's we got a while until then. I was like, eh, it's like two months, like one month, month and a half. Um, and uh, they're selling for how much would you pay for an Xbox wrap like this? Thirty bucks. Forty nine ninety nine. I mean, I think is I mean like the PlayStation ones are like eighty dollars, and I think or maybe they're seventy. And like I'm like, oh my gosh, why? Like that price makes me not buy them. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they were fifty bucks, I would have bought one by now. I, I, I think, bought two. I would have bought the pink one and the blue one, and I would have made a fun little sandwich. For me personally, I don't think I have a use for uh, wrapping my consoles anyway because um, when I display them on my entertainment center, like they're usually on my main TV. Like mm. I, I just like how they look the way they are. But if I had secondary consoles and they were more kind of like set up in like a, a more visual way, like I want you to be the conversation piece, maybe I would do something like that. But I'm not yeah. the kind of like decal person to begin with. I am, um, I, you know, I've got the I've got the black Xbox Series X in my office here, and then I've got the star, the Halo one, um, in uh, it, out in the front. Um, so like, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of of the alternate color schemes, but um. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not gonna pick this up. I don't think you know what I mean. But I, I think this is cool in case, in case I decide that I want to, because um, I also do think that this Starfield one is very striking. But I also just like that that um, visual style that they've got. Justin, before we wrap here, uh, you, you mentioned this, and, and it is something I actually do want to talk about. I know that we're running like getting towards the end of our, our show, but um, you you sent me this article from VGC titled "Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Warns Players That Some Content Is Quote Considered Outdated." Um, it's basically in the, what is this called? Ma- Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. It has a, um, like a disclaimer warning message um, at the very beginning that says this. This game contains expressions and themes which may be considered outdated. However, these elements have been included without alteration to preserve the historical context in which the game was made and the creator's original vision. Player discretion is advised. Uh, I, you sent this to me, so I just want to throw it to you immediately. What do you think of this? What is what what makes what does this make you think? Have you ever watched a movie from like yes the two? Th- <laughs> okay, <laughs> I have. Have you, have you ever watched a movie that came out in like early two thousand or the nineties? Last night or I watched Spider Man Two, and you see or hear something in it that you're like, that was okay. Uh, like oh oh, like yes. we're okay with saying that back then okay great and it just doesn't like if you were to rewrite that script today you'd probably edit some things out you know um one of the ones i think of is the movie white chicks have you seen that movie i have not but i'm i'm familiar yeah i don't know if that would fly necessarily um in a movie theater uh in 2023 um but i think like it's an interesting question but this goes back to the fact that these are not remakes, really. Yep. So with that being said, you're going back to play the Master Collection Volume 1. I would assume that I'm playing the original game, not the updated game. Um, so I, I, maybe uh, the disclaimers are helpful or whatever. But to me, this also seems a little bit... It's like It's like a subtle knock on Kojima... Yeah, that guy, so? that guy made this inappropriate shit we did, and so blame him if you don't like it. I don't, I don't get that. Uh, I know what you, you mean, and, and this article does, does touch on the fact that, you know, Kojima is not involved with this, um, this you know, re-release um, and 
all that. So like, I do like know what you're saying. Um, but to me, th this disclaimer reminds me a lot of the uh, Warner Brothers ones for Looney Tunes. Do you know this? No. Um, so if you watch Looney Tunes, there's some like racist ass shit in there. And so now when you try to watch old Looney Tunes, I think in their um, like their streaming service, there's this uh, thing that comes up that says the cartoon you are about to see are products of their time. They may depict some of the ethnic of some of the ethnic and racial prejudices that were commonplace in American society. These depictions were wrong then and are wrong today. While the following does not represent the Warner Brothers view of today's society, these cartoons are being are being presented as they were originally created because to do so otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. And I cannot think of a single better thing to say in front of something like that. You know, I have not played the Metal Gear Solid collection or the original games or anything like that. But to me, a statement reading that similarly of just like these, you know, there are some outdated elements to these games that, you know, do not are not up to the modern sensibilities, modern standards of us today that said, this is how they were intended to be created. And like they are a product of their time, I think is a good way to address that sort of thing. What do would you agree or no? I agree. I think that's a good statement, but I think for me almost like with the Warner Brothers stuff, I don't mm. know if we need to show that stuff anymore. Um, I, I think that's fair, right? And, like, and I think there is a context when I think you could show it like for a historical purpose or mm -hmm. museum purposes or even like art history purposes and things like that. But to be able to stream it on anything like to me, that's like that's still putting money behind that kind of stuff yeah it's tough it's tough to know exactly how like what to do with something like that right uh, and i and i do agree but i also no, I, yeah. I think that 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 um preface i think is really important and i think is at the very least something really good to have in front of something like that and it's uh, it, and, and you're gone it's a specific statement too which it's addressing specifically the issues Yes, and I think it directly, um, not to make this fucking the Disney hour, um, but like directly like uh, uh, is like on the opposite side of this conversation as the way like Disney is about things where Disney is perfectly fine with altering things that are on Disney Plus in order to um, like without telling you in order to like fit their standard of what they think something should be for example like this was going around i don't know four years ago at this point um what's that movie with tom hanks and he because he's with a mermaid do you know what i'm talking about he's with a mermaid this is splash the 1994 movie mm. uh, 1984 movie um so basically at the end of the movie like this woman um she, she kisses him and she's on the beach and she turns around and runs away and she's naked and so like for like a second you see her butt but it's like not like it, it's just like a butt you know what i mean it's it's not like an ass it's just like <laughs> do you know what i'm trying to say like it's just like a lady running it's yeah. just a naked lady running away you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like it's like the least sexual thing imaginable um but it's got a pg rating and it's on disney plus but so what they did was they digitally altered her hair to make it longer and cover her butt but it looks terrible it's like monsters ink fur that's it's not coming out of her head though it's coming like out of her back and her butt and it's really weird and like i know it's like a silly thing to like talk about but it is this thing where like 
they, they changed this because they didn't think it was suitable for modern audiences or whatever, right? It's being a PG film to just show like a naked butt. But like, there is no statement about like, hey, we've altered this in any way. You know what I mean? And and it almost feels like as if they're trying to say, what do you mean? There was no butt in this movie, <laughs> you know? And, and And again, I know that like, that is so different than like, like horrific depictions of racism, you know what I mean? In Looney Tunes and whatever else, but like, do you, but like Disney has its own fair share of like horrific racist stuff, you know, that it wants you to forget ever happened as well. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's just, I just, I think it's interesting. And so I think that for metal gear solid, I think something like that, um, ultimately does a good job at saying like, Hey, like these are not, things that we think are necessarily appropriate anymore, but there is a context in which they were made. And it's important to understand that, you know, it was wrong then and it is wrong now, but like we are still presenting it so that you can see it and understand it in its totality. Yeah. I think, I think that is, that's, you know, oddly falls into the idea of like censorship and what is okay to censor and revising like the past in order to make it okay for today. Should mm-hmm. you keep the original? Should you, you know, have something that is more aligned with standards for today? I don't know. It's it's a there's not an easy answer to that question. Um, but I think the least you can do is provide context beforehand. So that's how that's why I think this stuff is good, if not outwardly silly to think about. Like, oh, they're putting like, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, we're uh, specifically for like Metal Gear. We, we didn't we didn't change anything because that's not we want to have it preserved. Well, that just seems like a throwaway statement. It's really like we're you know this was the original game and we're giving mm-hmm. you the original game. I think it's good context. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That is episode number one hundred fifty six of Hitbox. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. If you want to join our dis- our Discord server, the link to that is in the description of this episode. If you want to support us on Patreon, that's one dollar podcast producer or $3 deluxe podcast producers like Dave Parker and Jay Knoll. You can join them. Patreon.com slash hitboxpod. If not, follow us on Twitter at hitboxpod. Review this episode on your podcast player of choice. That's all I got. Justin, am I missing anything? Uh, we do have an outro to this rap. Um, so let me let me get the outro please, going here. Please, <clears throat> please hit me with it. So here's to the gamers, the thrill yep. seekers, the crew. Xbox rap, Xbox mm. rap ends, but the adventure's not through. From pixels to memories, together we ride. Xbox fam forever, with hearts open wide. Well, let them fly, or whatever it's in. We'll get to next week. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Reach for the sky. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>